Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Counseling on Demand. I am your host, Fred Riley. Thank you, as always, for tuning in to today's podcast. So today we're going to be talking about coping mechanisms as they relate to you. Um, on a live uh, that I did on Instagram, we talked about this, and I think it's worth uh, taking a few minutes to talk about it in more detail. So the idea here we're going to talk about is uh, this podcast, uh, things that you read, uh, Psychology Today, books, advice from friends and so forth. They're all forms of uh, interventions. They're all forms of coping mechanisms that uh, by reading them, by hearing them, the suggestion is that, hey, um, if you are grieving or if you're anxious or if you're depressed, then follow these three steps and voila, you're going to be you're going to be headed in the right direction. And so the reality is is that uh, there's different phases or different um, frames of reference, perspectives that we're in that really need to be paid attention to so that when we look at these these uh, coping mechanisms, we're going to be in a place where we're more realistic about how we interpret these coping mechanisms. So a lot of times, first of all, coping mechanisms, as you read um, through, again, like a magazine or something online and so forth, the idea is that these these uh, outlets and so forth they want you uh, they want to encourage you they want you to see that you can overcome frustration that you can be motivated you can overcome anxiety and so they're going to speak in a very positive tone and a very simple tone which is eat exercise so on and so forth and uh, those things are all important but they're not taking into account where you're at they're not taking into account the individual experience. And so oftentimes as we read those things, um, it turns into uh, coping mechanisms that we ought to be able to do. And if we're not doing those, then something must be wrong with us. Or we've used those coping mechanisms before, but we didn't do them right. And so they don't apply to us, so on and so forth. And so the extent to which these coping mechanisms are put out to us through media and so forth, there's kind of a false uh, sense of um, expectation that uh, almost of simplicity, if you will, of these easy steps, these 10 things that will help you rise above. And the reality, I think, is that these coping mechanisms that we list, as myself as a therapist and so forth, it's kind of implied that we're telling you uh, how to cope in a way that is monumental, a way that you've never thought of before. And that that's just not right. I mean, the idea is that uh, by the time you're getting help, we can go down a list of those coping mechanisms. And I, I'm sure we'll find several 
occasions where you employed those coping mechanisms. And so you don't need to come into therapy to hear that you failed at those coping mechanisms. Those are ideas, but the idea that they're suggested in a magazine online and so forth, it kind of suggests, uh, probably not intentionally, but it suggests that uh, somehow you flew right by that coping mechanism um, when, in fact, uh, you by the time you're talking to somebody to get help, you've uh, used that coping mechanism to some extent uh, to no avail. So what we're going to talk about is these phases and what it might look like, uh, these perspectives, and what coping mechanisms might look like to you. The, the most important thing to keep in mind is that it's about your perspective of these coping mechanisms, not the perspective of the therapist or those that are trying to help you. You know, really quickly in therapy, we're doing too much intellectualization. We're doing too much too much uh, theory. And the idea is uh, even a therapist, they, they're helpful and so forth, but they can give you these ideas. They can give you sheets of paper that imply that uh, even though what you've been doing in the past hasn't worked, because you're talking to them, it will work now. And that can really set you up to be discouraged. It can set you up to feel like you're ineffective. And the reality is that we need to we need to change that. We need to, I guess, on your end, let's not change therapy per se. That's a big task. But what about your view? And as you view your perspective and allow yourself to say, okay, these coping mechanisms are going to look to me like this through this perspective, then that allows you to gauge, okay, how hard or how easy or how relevant these coping skills um, are to you. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about a couple of those coping skills and split that up uh, for uh, after a break as well. So let's go ahead and get to those really fast. And and uh, the idea is these are coping skills that I – not cop- well, coping skills, but um, phases uh, really or um, – perspectives that uh, I've noticed. And, and so when I evaluate people, I put a label to these, these, um, these perspectives so I can get and my clients can get a better idea of where they're at and what those coping mechanisms look like. So the uh, first and foremost, when it comes to engagement in these perspectives, engagement, sorry, in these coping mechanisms, the world, Instagram and so forth would have you believe that you're one of uh, out of 99% of the people that uh, are unsuccessful with this coping mechanism and that these people engage in this coping mechanism with great uh, energy and excitement and uh, and if you're discouraged, then there's something wrong with you. And the reality is, is those individuals that are engaged, um, very small percentage, and they have a different background than you do. A big part of the, whatever um, perspective you have as you look at these, these coping mechanisms is the extent to which in the past your coping mechanisms were effective. And so the person that's engaged, it's not that they're stronger than you. It's not that they're smarter. It's not that they're braver. It's that their particular experience has taught them that engagement in coping mechanisms is helpful. And so their reference point is different than yours. So if you feel like you should be engaged, why am I not like that individual? Well, the idea is there's a difference between your experience and theirs. That's not a sign. The difference between you and them is not a sign of weakness or anything like that. It's evidence that you would like to be engaged. You would love to be engaged in that change, in that, pers- in that perspective, in that uh, in that style of coping, you'd love to be there, but you don't have the experience necessarily to back that up. So that first and sometimes kind of an annoying uh, perspective, because we all want to be there, is we want to be engaged uh, with these coping mechanisms. And 
and really going back to psychology today and these other places that we look at, it's suggested that the coping mechanisms in and of themselves are great. So whether they work or not depends upon if you're engaged. Well, I tell you what, if you're engaged in coping, then you're not looking at psychology today and so forth because you don't need to, okay? So it's kind of uh, implied that if you just get engaged, when the reality is, is, again, if you got engaged in those coping mechanisms, you wouldn't be cracking open books about uh, about coping. So um, we'll talk about one more perspective, each perspective becoming less and less engaged, if you will, in coping mechanisms. So uh, contemplative, this is that place that maybe where this is might be where you're at is, hey, I'm willing to take a look at these coping mechanisms. There's no harm in looking at these coping mechanisms. Let's see how it goes. So as you read these coping mechanisms, you might think, okay, nothing, you know, it doesn't hurt to exercise. It doesn't hurt to get away for a little bit. It doesn't hurt to read a book or whatever. So when you're contemplative, you're open-minded. And uh, does that mean that uh, you're going to buy into that coping mechanism hook, line, and sinker? Not necessarily. But the idea is you're still in a place where um, there's still some hope and so forth. And you've had some success with coping mechanisms in the past. So you're going to be open-minded, not discouraged by any means. And so when you look at these coping mechanisms, you might see them as more things you can add to your your uh, repertoire, to your little bag of goodies in terms of coping. So those are the first two, the most engaged um, perspectives. And we're going to come back and we're going to talk about the three perspectives where coping mechanisms are a little bit more difficult to, to uh, believe and understand and interpret in a way that uh, are of benefit to you. back to Counseling on Demand. I'm your host, Fred Riley. So today we're talking about uh, these these uh, perspectives. You know, one of the things that uh, I haven't mentioned in the past is this notion that perspective shapes reality. And uh, we really have a hard time with that, especially when somebody else's perspective doesn't match ours. But uh, there's some activities that uh, maybe I'll talk to you at some point about that you can do to kind of get an idea of what your perspective is. And so if your perspective of uh, coping mechanisms, for example, is that they don't work or they don't work for you, then that perspective shapes this reality that, um, you know, these uh, cop- these lists of coping mechanisms aren't for you. They're fluffy, they're neat, but they're just, they're just uh, wishful thinking, so on and so forth. That oftentimes is labeled as a bad attitude, but the reality is, is your perception, what you've learned over time, shapes that reality. So it makes it a lot harder to engage. So the person that engages with coping mechanisms, they their perspective shapes the reality that, hey, if I grab this tool, if I grab this hammer and hit a nail, it's going to work. They haven't had a lot of experience with hitting their thumbs, so to speak. So we're going to talk about uh, the last three kind of play perspectives and how they might, um, and this is where maybe you're at, one of these three, and how they might affect your belief and um, trust and so forth in any kind of coping mechanism. So the next one is hesitant. Hesitant is what you're doing is you're looking at, okay, 
um, these coping mechanisms for depression, these coping me- medications, these coping med- um, mechanisms for re- building relationships and so forth, the hesitant person, and this might be you, you're going to be a little bit more guarded. You're going to feel like you're going to ask questions like, okay, what's it? What's in it for me? In other words, if I'm going to take a risk to do what this magazine tells me to do or this article tells me to do, I want to know that there's a reasonable amount of uh, risk leads to a, a good outcome. And so slightly a little bit more engaged than than skeptical. But the idea here is you read about um, coping mechanisms for stress, depression, you know, get outside and walk 30 minutes every day, um, get, you know, take your vitamin D, uh, talk to somebody that you trust. The way that you're going to evaluate through that hesitant perspective is that, hey, I'll give it a try but, you know, let's kind of wait and see. Now, guarded, another word for guarded is skeptical. So guarded is this perspective that um, what we do is we actually say, I'm going to keep an open mind, but my expectation's low. The reality is, is when you're guarded, you you might say, I'm willing to take a look at it, but that's more of a comfort thing. When you're guarded, you really have low expectations of these coping mechanisms being effective. You want to believe, you want other people to feel like you're engaged. So you you kind of talk to yourself and say, I'll keep an open mind. But the reality is, is you go through the list of coping mechanisms for grief, for any of those things, you're going to start shooting them down before you even get there. And the idea there is that, you know, there's something wrong with you. If you're coming from that uh, guarded place, there's something wrong with you. If, if you're not willing to employ, or if you're not able to employ the those coping mechanisms. And the reality is, is by the time you're guarded, you've probably tried to employ a lot of those coping mechanisms. Or because of certain things going on in your life right now, it's harder, you're going to be more guarded to work and believe in those coping mechanisms. You think about trauma, you know, a big part of trauma is every time I risk and engage, let's go back to engagement, therapy, friends, and so forth, they invite you to engage after trauma, they invite you to engage in coping mechanisms so that you can see that uh, that they're effective, that you'll be okay. Well, a lot of people I work with, what they've learned is that if they come out of that guarded place to engage, they uh, they call that stupidity. What they've learned is that going after those coping mechanisms, it's a false sense of security, and so they're going to be they're going to say, "Hey, I'm willing to try." Well, honestly, they're they're scared to death, and so at that point, is this person helpless? No, are you helpless? Absolutely not. But it's okay for you to be guarded. In fact, if you're in that guarded place and you look at coping mechanisms for grief or what have you, I think that the goal should be to be a little bit less guarded, not to be engaged, not to be contemplative, but stick your nose out there just a little bit with exercise or something and go ahead and maintain those low expectations to see if maybe the world has an alternative outcome than what you expected. Okay, then there's resistant. And resistant, uh, you know, this is where people feel like we have a bad attitude, that we're not looking for the good, so on and so forth. Someone that's resistant says, you know, there's there isn't a coping mechanism. Uh, the coping mechanism is alcohol. The coping mechanism is 
gaming. The coping mechanism is ignoring or the coping mechanism is, is, is being tough and these other coping mechanisms have failed me. And so the idea of the resistant is if you're resistant, uh, you're going to say, been there, done that. Don't waste your time with me. You might also say, you know what? There's something wrong with me because I keep seeing these coping mechanisms thrown out there. And they don't appeal to me. They don't apply to me. So this, by the time we're resistant, this is where we often feel broken. And the idea is you're not broken. Your your life experience with coping mechanisms has taught you that there's a false sense of hope maybe with them or that there's not good outcomes. Now, the individual that's resistant, oftentimes they have used or utilized great coping mechanisms with their relationships, for example, but the relationship was unhealthy, so those coping mechanisms uh, backfired. They were t- You were taught that by talking it out with somebody, although that would work, but the person that uh, you were trying to talk it out with, like a mom or dad, they weren't healthy enough to talk it out with you. So the idea is I'm going to be hesitant, uh, resistant to talking it out with somebody else because I've learned that coping mechanism doesn't work. It's not about you. And that's a big part of this is the reality is it's not about you. Your knowledge base says that it's about you. But the reality is these coping mechanisms that, that are out there, they work, but you have to have an environment where people are healthy enough and ready for those coping mechanisms. So the idea here is to evaluate, okay, as I read these coping mechanisms for, again, depression, for grief, for building new relationships and building trust and so forth, where am I at? That way, in terms of my my perspective, am I engaged? Am I contemplative? Am I hesitant or am I guarded or am I resistant? And that dials those expectations in a little bit better to say, okay, I don't... If I'm in that that uh, guarded, hesitant place, then it's not fair for me to feel like I have to be engaged in these coping mechanisms. So it keep so that's a coping mechanism. Coping mechanism in and of itself is realistic expectations of how you apply those coping mechanisms. You try them out still to get a different result, but you're doing it from the framework of realizing what your past has taught you, your relationships have taught you. So then when when uh, coping mechanism is effective, it's not luck. It's something that uh, you consider very carefully. So those are that's one perspective to take a look at in terms of evaluating coping mechanisms, um, reading up on them in a way that, that uh, helps decipher that this isn't about your strength or your weakness or the way they apply to you, but this is about your history, your experience, where you're at, and how they feel like they might apply to you. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I am Fred Riley. Please uh, feel free to contact me online at gettingbacktolife.com and also find me on Instagram at Riley Counseling.